The title of this morning's message is Praying Through Every Occasion. This morning I want to continue to talk to you from the sixth chapter of Ephesians. But this time I want to talk about praying through every occasion. In verse 18 of chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says this, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The word always in this sentence is actually three different Greek words. But translators like to be concise. <laughs> so they often get rid of what they perceive to be as unnecessary words. <laughs> and it just so happens that I usually like those unnecessary words <laughs> because they usually actually help me to better understand what the author is saying. So in this scripture, those words are actually through every occasion. Always actually is three words through every occasion. The translators figured always would work just fine. <laughs> and it probably does for most people. <laughs> but I like details, so I have the words for you to see. The first word is through, and through just means through. It's real easy. <laughs> but I like the word through because it denotes a beginning and an end. And this is important to know when we're talking about standing in the evil or hurtful day. When hard times come, we do not sit down and act like we're already defeated. <laughs> Even if we feel that way. <laughs> Why? Because we want to get beyond the evil day as soon as possible. <laughs> and as the saying goes, when you're going through hell, for Pete's sake, don't stop. Don't sit down. Don't look around and look to see if God's faithful. <laughs> Just keep going through, <laughs> keep standing in the evil day, because he will take us victoriously through it. The next word is all, all prayer, every prayer, each prayer, all, each, every, no big deal there. The last word is the word occasion, and it means a set or proper time. It can be translated as always, but we'll soon see that's not necessarily the best choice. It can mean opportunity. It can mean convenient or due season. A short time, a due time, a little while. It actually has a definition of a beginning and an end. It doesn't mean always. <laughs> and that's important when we're standing in the evil day. So this word occasion, which is number 2540, if you look there, it says compare this word to this other word, number 5550. It's usually translated similarly, but it often gives you more information than the original definition, which says the word occasion, number 2540, is distinguished from the word always in that it pertains to a fixed or special season. When we're talking about trials and storms and battles, we want to know there's only a little bit of time. <laughs> that there isn't going to be always. <laughs> Short time. <laughs> Beginning and end. <laughs> so when the evil things come, when trials and storms and battles come, they are opportunities for us to just keep standing in our Father's grace and goodness by faith. When we begin in the evil day, we begin as a conqueror. The evil day comes to us. We don't go looking for it. <laughs> but Jesus made us more than a conqueror. He's already conquered all the power of the enemy, and he handed that power to us. Use this. Live from this. <laughs> this will conquer the enemy. That's his victory. So when we go through and we get to the end of our battle or our trial or our temptation, we are still more than a conqueror. And the truth is, even if we fall down, <laughs> we're still more than a conqueror because that power and position is given to us as a gift. It doesn't mean we never actually fall down. <laughs> it just means we get right back up because we know who we are and we know in whom we have believed and we are not giving in to the power and the lies of the enemy. So we just continue to stand by grace through faith. 
not forfeiting anything that Jesus has died to provide us with. And yes, we can forfeit. You probably noticed, not all Christians are equally prosperous. Not all Christians are equally happy with their marriages or their children or their job. Things are not equal. It looks like maybe God's, you know, has favoritism. <laughs> well, he does. It's us. We are the favorites. <laughs> he favors us. But we have to know that and believe that. Because we know and understand what he has done for us and how much he loves us and how crazy about us he is. We can believe easy. And we can believe easy to take hold of everything that he's bought and paid for. Many Christians don't believe that God wants them well. They don't believe that they can have more. They don't believe that they can change. And so they live in those mindsets and they forfeit what God actually has for them. Years ago, when I was trying to manifest my healing for fibromyalgia, I did not stand. I wobbled. <laughs> wobbling is not quite the same thing as standing. <laughs> it's halting between two opinions. On one hand, I would speak my faith. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Wholeness is my portion. That was right. I was doing it right. Standing in the evil day. And on the other hand, my body would speak to me and say, no, <laughs> no, we're not healed. <laughs> we still feel the pain. So I would believe this, and then I would believe that. And I wobbled back and forth all the time. So I had two different opinions. One came from my flesh head. Our flesh head is our brain and all the wrong information that's in there. <laughs> it has a lot of wrong information that's in there. And it's very powerful because it regulates our physical body. So when we get a temptation in our physical body, let's say I'm fasting, and my stomach says, hey, it's time to eat. <laughs> okay? Sometimes that can be very hard to say, no, no. That's not what we're doing today. You're not the boss. <laughs> I'm the boss over you. Jesus is the boss over me, and we're doing what Jesus says. <laughs> so people get confused about what the flesh is. We do not have a sin nature. There is not a good dog and a bad dog fighting in there to see who's going to shred the other one. No. <laughs> Wrong programming. The mind of Christ. This is who we really are. This is who we used to be. But a lot of that junk in there will cause us to wobble. <laughs> I believe you, Jesus. When, Jesus, when? <laughs> Our flesh head doesn't understand spiritual truths or spiritual realities because the flesh head is still in the dark. Okay? Now, as our flesh head is converted by the light and truth of Jesus Christ, those thoughts and habits and responses start to fade away. And we become more mature in who and what we are and what we possess. And we get better by practicing who we are. But our natural brain does not understand the things of the Spirit. And we can see this sort of back and forth wobbling going on in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Here, the Apostle Paul is telling his reader about the difference between the natural brain versus the spiritual mind. He's using people to make the distinction. It's easier to understand it that way when you first start. There's an unsaved person, and then there's a saved person. We are the saved person. There's no unsaved part of us. Okay? I have this for you in the um, Passion Translation. This is why the scriptures say, Things never discovered or heard before. Things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the things, the many things, God has in store for all of his lovers. The King James says, for all of those who love him. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit, 
who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for the person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience both understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Spirit and not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-revealed words. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit, for they make no sense to him. That's the point. <laughs> Our flesh head thinks spiritual things are dumb. <laughs> They're illogical, and they are in this world system. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit, for they make no sense to him. Even after we come to Jesus, sometimes they make no sense to us. <laughs> he can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. Those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things, and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. There is no condemnation for us. For who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? And of course, in the King James, it doesn't answer that question, because we all have done that. <laughs> Let me tell you, Jesus, how I think this should work. <laughs> but Christ has... Then his counselor, they counsel together. And we possess Christ's perceptions. The King James, the mind of Christ. The mind is actually a spiritual place that's actually higher, if you will. You ever see those cartoons and you see somebody is thinking and you see the little bubbles above their head? <laughs> that's kind of like what it's like for us. You see, we have the flesh head that does the computations. If we need to know how to do something, our brain goes, let me help you. I'll go look and see if there's anything like that in your head. <laughs> and if it can't find it, you know what it does? It keeps rewinding. Years ago, I don't remember what it was, but I had a dilemma. And I was going through my head like it was a filing cabinet. You ever have an opportunity to file something and you know you put it in there? You're sure it's in there. And you go looking for it and it's not there. <laughs> and you look again. And then you take all the files out, you dump everything out, still not there. <laughs> okay, that's what I was doing in my head. And the Lord said, <clears throat> excuse me there. The answer you're looking for is not in your head. <laughs> Stop looking in your head. It's not there. It's in your spirit. Unfortunately, most of us let our flesh head, <laughs> because it's just so natural, <laughs> take us round the tree, round the tree, round the tree, around the tree, <laughs> until God says, stop. <laughs> Let's have a talk. Let's have a conversation. Let me show you what the problem really is. So our mind is actually a spiritual place where we have spiritual thoughts both good and not so good. <laughs> because of the way our brain is made and designed, we can actually step outside of our flesh head. That's the way God created us. It's kind of like watching a movie. Okay, You're not in it, but you're watching it. That's the ability God gave us to observe as if we are not participating in what's going on in our head, which is a really good thing. Because unfortunately, a whole lot of Christians don't know the difference between their flesh head and their mind of Christ. So they think all of this stuff going on in their head is them. It's not. One time at work years ago, I was a receptionist. And this gentleman who works in the factory came through. And I had this horrible thought that went through my head. And I was like, oh my goodness, Jesus. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> and I was like, that's terrible. I must be awful. It was a sexual thought. And I was like, oh, 
dear Jesus, cleanse my heart. <laughs> oh, dear Jesus. And he's like, stop it. That's not you. He said, he is watching pornography. <laughs> he's carrying around little demons with messengers. <laughs> and they threw one at your head as they walked by this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and just to verify that I was not crazy, later that morning, I received a phone call for this person saying they wanted to check and see if the person who received their pornography was enjoying it. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I doubt he knows you're calling his place of business. You might want to try a different number. But you see, God will verify to you that those evil, horrible things that jump into your head when you're not even expecting it is not from you. And those evil kinds of thoughts aren't just about inappropriate sexual things, but about who we are. Things like, I must be stupid. You have the mind of Christ. You are incapable of being stupid. <laughs> Praise God. We have the wisdom of the creator of the entire universe. We are not bad off. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> we believe the thoughts and the lies that are trapped in our head and those lies and thoughts, what they do is they stir up emotions. Emotions of worthlessness because somewhere something happened and that little kid received the message that they were worthless. Uh, when I was little, I had wild, crazy, curly hair. It was not in vogue. <laughs> uh, it was the 60s and everybody had long straight blonde hair except me <laughs> and I was told repeatedly all of the time how ugly I was little girls don't need to have someone tell them they're ugly because they tend to believe somebody else's perception of them I was a complete adult <laughs> with kids of my own when God said, you know, you're not horribly ugly. <laughs> you're pleasant. I said, well, pleasant is nice. I like pleasant. <laughs> he said, yes, you're pleasant. Stop thinking you're horribly ugly. You're not. That's a lie. That's not who you are. But you see, if we believe that's who we are, then that's how we'll behave. Our behaving always comes from our believing. So we have thoughts that are not from us. <laughs> and then we have thoughts that are from us and the Holy Spirit. See, I didn't used to know this either. I can think bad thoughts. I can think good thoughts. And whatever I am comes out in my thoughts. Big lie. Big lie. I didn't know that all my thoughts are in unison with God because God and I are one. So if I'm thinking I'm ugly, if I'm thinking I'm stupid, if I'm thinking I'll never be anything important, all of those thoughts are against what God says is true. If I believe, and I used to, I will always be poor. I grew up poor. Therefore, poor must be who I am. Until God said one day, oh, by the way, you don't have to eat ravioli three times a week because it's cheap. You can believe for more. And I thought, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you can't have more, but you have to believe for it. He said, he said basically, he said, it's not my fault. You only believe for just enough. That's what you have because that's what you believe you will only ever have. You have to change the foundation of your thinking. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hairs. I don't have to eat ravioli three times a week. <laughs> so worried thoughts and fearful thoughts, all those ridiculous kinds of thoughts don't come from who we are. We are one spirit with the Lord Jesus Christ. We think his thoughts, even the ordinary thoughts that we don't even recognize are from God. I went to the pantry the other day, and there is nothing good to eat in my pantry. <laughs> On purpose. <laughs> and I went there, and oh, there's, no, that's right, there's nothing good to eat in here. <laughs> and I thought, well, there's nothing ready-made. There's no processed food. So I thought, well, maybe I can make a little keto mug cake. I was sitting there thinking about it, and the Lord says, 
thought we were fasting that this month. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot all about the fact that I was fasting dessert. <laughs> that's why there's nothing good in my pantry. <laughs> Even ordinary thoughts are married to those thoughts with Christ. We underestimate our ability to think the thoughts of Christ. We think God's thoughts are always lofty, but he is walking with us through this very ordinary life. And he likes to remind us of things that we forget. He thinks ordinary thoughts with us. Now, the bad thoughts come from the flesh-headed logical brain, period. <laughs> it's these kinds of thoughts that often cause people to struggle with the things of the Spirit. Because our brain, by itself, does not understand spiritual truths. They're not logical. Not logical for God to love us just the way we are. Spiritual truths are revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. So this is how we can end up with two differing opinions in the same mind. One is based on the natural realm, the seeing, hearing, and feeling. Seeing, hearing, and feeling will talk you out of what God wants for you. And then the other one is based in, in the truth of God's word and verified to us by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit bears witness in our spirit when we hear the truth of God's word. Just like our Miss Claudette would say, I know in my knower. <laughs> Don't ask my flesh head. I know in my knower. I know in my spirit. Man. The Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that this is what the truth really is. Our knower is in our spirit man where the Holy Spirit testifies to us of the validity of what is actually true according to God. So I had both of these opinions in my head, and they were both very strong, which was the whole problem. <laughs> the opinion of my flesh was based on natural logic and physical reality, which was that I couldn't possibly be healed yet because I was still in pain. That's logic, not faith. One is natural, one is spiritual. And it was this natural logic, this believing only in the natural realm, that was interfering with my spiritual power of faith that was already in my spirit man. My spirit man believed in a different kind of logic. Family logic, the logic of God, the logic of love. Love is never logical. <laughs> the logic of his spiritual kingdom. God's logic is based on what is real in his spiritual kingdom. And what's real is the finished and victorious works of Jesus applied to us. We have been granted everything we need for life and God likeness. We are like him. <laughs> and we've been granted everything we need to walk like he walked on this earth. We are like him and we are one with him. In God's kingdom, we are right now spiritually just like Jesus. We say that in our head, yeah, I'm just like Jesus. But we really are. <laughs> just like Jesus, we are loved with the greatest, most passionate and faithful love that has ever existed. And just like Jesus, we have been seated in heavenly places at the right hand of our Father. And just like Jesus, we are without sin and are already completely accepted by our Father. And just like Jesus, who was raised from the dead by the resurrection power of God, so are we in him. The old us is dead, but he left his brain. <laughs> That's our problem. <laughs> and this is how we can have both faith and unbelief at work in us at the same time. I had faith. I did. I had faith, but I also had unbelief regarding the same issue, which was healing. So I continued to wobble. <laughs> but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The God who lives in us is the one who persuades our heart of the supernatural truths about what already belongs to us. The truth is, our spirit man, the real us, already believes we actually have everything we need for life and godliness, including health. Our spirit man is not wobbling. Our flesh head 
squabbles. <laughs> and the truth is, we already have the faith of Jesus. So if my spirit man already believes what Jesus believes and already has the same faith as Jesus, then we and I do not lack the ability to take hold of supernatural provision that Jesus has already given to me. But sometimes what we lack is corresponding action. I actually received my healing for fibromyalgia three different times. <laughs> but my goofy flesh head, my logical, natural, sensing brain talked me out of my faith and my healing because I didn't feel any different. <laughs> the first time I received my healing was about 10 years ago at an Andrew Womack meeting. I went forward for prayer and believed I received. And I knew in my knower, I knew it in here, <laughs> that I was healed. And after the meeting, I said to my husband, let's go eat gluten. And he's like, what? <laughs> he said, no, we're not eating gluten. I get very sick when I eat gluten. And I said, I received my healing. And he said, but what if you really didn't? You will ruin vacation. You'll spend the whole vacation being sick. What if you don't really have it? Remember, this was 10 years ago. We've gotten better. <laughs> and I thought, oh no, if you don't believe I have it, maybe I don't have it. Okay, let's not do that then. <laughs> like I said, we got better. <laughs> My logical flesh head, with its limited natural information, talked me right out of my healing by making me doubt my own ability to receive. God showed me this later. The second time I received my healing, I was at Gregory Dickhouse Church. I again went forward to receive prayer. And when Pastor Greg laid his hand on me, I fell out in the spirit. I received. The power of God went through my body and put me on the floor. And I didn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, this is really nice, Jesus. Okay, what's it for? <laughs> so I got up from the floor, and I went back to my seat, and I waited to see if I was healed. And in short order, my body said, nope. <laughs> my logical, natural thinking talked me out of my healing Again. And again, God showed me this later. The last and final time <laughs> I received my healing, I also went forward for prayer in a church service. And I'll be honest, it wasn't much of a prayer. My pastor says something like, Satan, take your hands off this child of God, be healed in the name of Jesus. High five. That was it. <laughs> he was a man of faith. He believed in the words he spoke. He understood, he was like 80 some years old, he understood the power of the words we speak and the faith in our heart and that we release that faith when we speak. We don't need long prayers that go on and on. He just got down to business, Satan, stop it, body be healed. There, done. <laughs> what was interesting is that I didn't stop to check my body. Hmm. I didn't even think about checking for symptoms. I already knew in my knower, and I was better at this by now, <laughs> that I already had my healing before I went up there. <laughs> and I just needed to make a withdrawal on what I already had in my spiritual bank account. So God told me to make a demand on the power of God that was already within me by going forward for prayer. I didn't want to talk myself out of my healing yet again. So before I went up there, <laughs> I spent time with the Lord in the Word and letting the Holy Spirit convince me again. No, no, you already have it. You already have it. You are the healed of the Lord. The real you is already healed. And like Barry Bennett from Kara says, you got it already, but you don't because you have it in your spirit. You don't have it in your physical realm. We need to move what we already have in the spirit out into the physical. And one of the ways you do that is by making a demand. 
Demand does not mean to stomp your foot at God. <laughs> it's a banking term. If I want cash, I go to the ATM, I put my card in there, my power and authority, and it will give me what I already have. The money that's inside the bank comes out. Same thing. Same thing, except in the natural, I see it right away. <laughs> that's really the only difference. Now, this analogy might not be perfect, but it does illustrate that what I know belongs to me on the inside of my bank is only released into my hand when I act on what I know. Now, for some people, that'll be just speaking. When the sickness comes against you, you stomp your foot at it. <laughs> no, I'm not being sick. No, Satan, you take your hands on me. No, I'm not going to be depressed. No, I'm not going to think those thoughts. No. Stop your foot all day long if you have to. You just keep standing in the truth and resisting the lies. To make a spiritual demand, we do something in the physical realm, not to make God do something. <laughs> this is where Christians have gotten into trouble. If I do this, God will do that. Nope. <laughs> no. If the money's already in the bank, you already have it. God doesn't do anything, technically. He's already done it. Our faith just reaches into our spiritual account and brings what's inside to the outside. So my faith action, my acting on my faith, was getting prayer and agreement at church. This is important. It's important that we let somebody else add their faith to hours, especially in the area of physical things. When I got agreement at church, our faith together combined released the power of God that I already had, that had already been released twice before, <laughs> and it was released yet once again. Every time I received my healing, it was because I acted on my faith, and I went to receive prayer and agreement at a church service. And it always worked. Every single time I made a demand to get my healing, God gave it. Fleshhead said, we don't feel any different. <laughs> Fleshhead doesn't understand spiritual truth. It tries to work against us. What's interesting is, my unbelief didn't stop me from receiving. It's what God told me. He said, no. You had it the first time, and you knew it, and talked yourself out. You had it the second time, and you knew it, and now this is the third time, and you know you have it. But because my body hadn't yet changed, my flesh had said, see, that's not real. That's when we have to stand and say, oh, no, 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 I'm going to stomp my foot at you. <laughs> Those are lies. I know in my knower I have this, and I'm acting on my faith. And when we act on our faith, the power of God is released every single time, whether you feel it or not. I told you about all of this because I want you to be able to receive today, apart from your flesh head. God says, if you believe you receive when you pray, you shall have it. He doesn't say it's going to show up immediately. <laughs> that would be great, uh, but sometimes it doesn't work that way. I had my healing. I knew I had my healing. After I went back to my chair, and I knew I was healed, and I'm telling my husband that I'm healed, and all of a sudden the power of God comes rushing up out of the middle of my chest. And it was awesome. <laughs> and I was like, I am not giving this back. <laughs> I'm keeping it this time. I told my husband, speak your faith. Speak your faith, because Satan's going to go, that's not real. That's just your imagination. I spoke my faith. I turned it, I'm healed, I'm healed. The power of God was just all over me. Laying on the floor is not the point. <laughs> Receiving and believing what God has said is the point. And not letting Satan talk us out of what we already have. Our joint account with Jesus, and that's what it is. We are Mrs. Jesus. Our name is on the account. Has everything, his finished works of salvation, has already provided a complete and victorious salvation that includes the power to save, the forgiveness of sins, 
it is the sozo power of God. He continuously sozos us. Save, heal, deliver, provide, protect, and make whole. That's what salvation is. It includes all of that. Everything we need for our life physically, our life emotionally, and our life mentally. We have the very mind of Christ. So God has already provided everything for us. But as you've probably noticed, it doesn't usually just show up automatically. <laughs> <laughs> often we have to step out in faith on purpose, either by speaking the truth of God's grace in our situation or by doing whatever God tells us to do specifically. God told me specifically, this is how I want you to make a demand, a withdrawal, get agreement in prayer. Now, it doesn't have to be a church, but it's a good idea because we can all agree with you. Now, this makes me think, because this whole wobbling stuff makes me think of Peter. <laughs> when he and some of the other disciples were in a boat, in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the night, and Jesus comes walking by, beginning of Matthew 14, 25. I have it for you in the Young's Literal Translation. It says this, In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went away to them, walking upon the sea. And the disciples, having seen him walking upon the sea, were troubled, saying, It is an apparition. It's a ghost. And from fear they cried out. And immediately Jesus spake to them, saying, Be of good courage. I am. Now it has he in red because he is not actually in the translation. Jesus said, I am. <laughs> I am is here. You don't have to be afraid. And Peter answering him said, Sir, if it is thou, bid me to come to thee upon the waters. That must be faith, because logical people would never ask such a thing. <laughs> and Jesus said, Come! And having gone down from the boat, Peter walked upon the waters to come to Jesus. When we hear our Father and our Jesus speak to us through the Holy Spirit, our faith is immediately activated to do whatever we hear them saying we can do. Peter had the audacity to believe that whatever Jesus did, he could do. Sound familiar? <laughs> and if you're walking on water, can I play too? <laughs> and Jesus says, you can because I am. <laughs> I am the all-powerful. I am the almighty. I am the one the beginning and the end. I am everything you need. Yes. Come walk on the water. Now, can you imagine him getting out of the boat, putting his foot in the water to see if it's hard yet? <laughs> is, is it going to hold me, Jesus? <laughs> when did he find out? When he quit wobbling and put all of his weight on the water. He couldn't stand with one foot on water and one foot in the boat. He had to be one place, or the other. <laughs> and he chose the place of faith. Whatever Jesus says we can do, we can do. Whatever Jesus says we can have, we can have. We can do whatever he tells us we can do. Now, I've heard of people trying to walk on water. It doesn't usually work out too well unless it's already frozen. <laughs> but it's fun trying. <laughs> Practicing that faith. <laughs> Verse 30. But seeing the wind vehement, he was afraid, and having begun to sink, he cried out, saying, Sir, save me. And immediately Jesus, having stretched forth his hand, laid hold of him, and saith unto him, I think he was laughing, Little faith, <laughs> for what didst thou waver, silly boy? <laughs> and they, having gone into the boat, the wind lulled. And those in the boat, having come, did bow to him, saying, Truly, God's son thou art. This is so like us. Peter had great faith in Jesus, and he also had natural unbelief. Is this water going to hold me? <laughs> and Peter's unbelief came from his flesh-headed natural thinking that kicked in <laughs> when he saw the winds and waves get worse. The winds and waves, the circumstances, talked to him. Logically, people do not walk on water, Peter. What do you think you're doing? Are you nuts? <laughs> you think Satan's not screaming in his ear that he's going to die? 
Well, of course he is. <laughs> That's why he reacted the way he reacted. Oh, no. And he starts thinking. He had great faith. No one can deny that Peter had great faith. But he's a human being. And he has a flesh head <laughs> that says, this is not logical. This is not right. <laughs> and it causes us to wobble. He wobbled while he was on the water. <laughs> Our brains are designed to try to save us from scary things by telling us to freak out. That's what our brain says. Our brain says, look, scary stuff, monster in the closet, freak out. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, I am is with you. And he'll beat the daylights out of any demon who tries to touch you. The great I am is always with us. Peter's natural thinking talked him out of what his faith had already enabled him to do. I was already healed. And unbelief talked me out of what I already had. Um, we are very much like Peter sometimes. Our brains will talk to us and try to get us to freak out about the storms or the trials or the battles that come our way. They'll talk to us about, see, God's not faithful. See, you can't trust him. You can't believe everything you read in the Bible. Oh, he'll talk to you, and he'll cause you to wobble. We can have great faith one minute, and just like Peter, be walking on the water, Jesus, I am the healed of the Lord, and then all of a sudden, our natural thinking kicks in, and we start wobbling with unbelief. This unbelief does not come from the real us. I thought I had an unbelief problem. No, I have a fleshhead problem. <laughs> My spirit man has all the faith and confidence in Jesus Christ because I'm one spirit with him. So unbelief doesn't come from us either. <laughs> comes from our natural thinking and programming. Our unbelief comes from our goofy, natural, pre-programmed, because it is, it's pre-programmed, flesh-headed brain. And when these thoughts trigger the emotions of anger and fear and panic and doubt and unbelief, we have to do something with them. We'll either act on them or we have to resist them. The truth is we do not have to put up with them. We can actually train our brain to stop freaking out. <laughs> How do we do that? With the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. It takes time and it takes prayer. Which brings me back to my first scripture, Ephesians 6.18. Again, praying always, which means through each and every occasion and season, understanding that each battle has a beginning, an end, and an expiration date. So praying always with all prayer. This word for prayer is a general word for prayer. It includes the idea of praying and worshiping. You can worship your way through a trial. You can worship your way through a battle. It's just like James says, pray and keep praying. Worship and keep worshiping. It's the same word. This kind of prayer is the conversational prayer you have with God constantly. You're just always including him in your thoughts. And it's also the sitting alone with your Bible kind of prayer. And then it says, and supplication. This refers to a prayer that is specifically for help, especially when circumstances are dire. And he says, all of these kinds of prayer, I want you to do in the spirit. And then it says, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The early church went through hell, literally. <laughs> Physically, it was hell on earth. But they went through it all victorious because they knew who they were in the spirit. So we are encouraged to pray and keep on praying, to worship and keep on worshiping in the spirit. But what does it mean to pray in the spirit? Let's look at Romans 8, verse 8 and 9. Those who are in the flesh, and I helped us here, says in Adam. We are either in the flesh, in Adam, or we are in the spirit and we are in Christ. That's what this verse says. But those who are in the flesh, in Adam, cannot please God. Because to please God, you have to believe. Verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, in Adam, but in the spirit. If the spirit of God is indeed dwelling within you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. That's the only test there is for whether or not you're a believer. Do you have the Holy Spirit? So every believer is already in the Spirit. Now, I used to think I jumped in and out of Jesus all the time. 
<laughs> because I was jumping in and out of my flesh head. <laughs> we don't jump in and out of Jesus. We think with two different parts of our brain, pretty much. This is what Jesus said to the woman at the well, John chapter 4, beginning with verse 22. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, he's talking about the Jews, for salvation is of or comes from the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The new covenant way of prayer and worship is in relationship with God through our spirit and his spirit, being together and communing. It's not through the rituals or the laws or anything external. It's through Jesus killing off our old man <laughs> and giving us a brand new, clean, holy spirit man and then joining himself to us. This is the only way you get into the spirit. And once you get into the spirit, you cannot get out. <laughs> Your thoughts can get out, but who you are cannot get out of God. So we do not jump in and out of the spirit, which is a very charismatic way of thinking. However, we can jump in and out of our flesh head and into the mind of Christ, back and forth, wibble wobble. We can and do think the thoughts of God all the time. We just don't recognize them as being from God because they sound like us. When God speaks to me, it sounds like me. It doesn't sound like Charlton Heston. If it sounded like Charleston Heston, it would be scary. <laughs> he doesn't want to scare us. He sounds like us. But we learn to recognize the difference between the spirit speaking and us thinking. But he sounds like us. <laughs> like, remember, you're fasting dessert this week. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> so often this scripture is used to try to convince people that the only way to pray in the spirit is in the prayer language. And that's not true. And that wasn't Jesus's point either. Many, many teachers try to use this as a way to mm, finagle people <laughs> into accepting that they have to pray in a prayer language. And this is not about that in any way, shape, or form. So when the Apostle Paul says our praying and worshiping should be in the Spirit, he's actually talking about our source. What source? It's just like with James. What are you pulling from? Are you pulling from the normal flesh head logic or are you pulling from the mind of Christ and the Holy Spirit? This is about source. The Holy Spirit causes us to hear the rhema of God in the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ and we do already think his thoughts and we hear him whether we believe we do or not. God, I'm not sure I'm hearing you. God, say it again. He loves to repeat himself. He will repeat the same thing over and over and over again until your brain goes, oh, hey, that must be God. <laughs> the Holy Spirit inspires our heart to love and adore our Father and our Jesus as we sing and worship and talk and commune with him. Now, that being said, the Apostle Paul also told the Corinthians that he spoke in tongues more than all of them put together. That's a lot. <laughs> he was talking about his prayer language and his natural language, both. When the Apostle Paul says to pray in the Spirit, the word in is not there. The translators added it. It's very common that they leave out these little prepositions because that's not the way they talked. But in this case, it just says pray Spirit. It doesn't actually say in. See, in the spirit is our position. Pray spirit means from. <laughs> Pray from the spirit, not from your logic. Um, I like the word to use the word with. I think that would be a better translation. It would help people to pray with the cooperation of the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues, prophesying, or just praying in our understanding. Paul talks about the grace of the gift of tongues, the grace of speaking in a prayer language in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. Verse 1, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual graces. The word gifts is not there. They are not gifts. It is not something God gives to us to do with what we please. They are graces. They are divine enablements at our disposal all the time. They're him cooperating with us. 
We can pray in the Spirit anytime we want. I told you about my struggle. My flesh head was so stiff. It kept me from being able to freely flow by the Spirit and pray in my prayer language. But we can pray in our prayer language whenever we want. It's the same way we can pray in our understanding whenever we want, led by the Holy Spirit. In the early days of my Christianity, at my little holiness church, they would ask people to open with prayer. The people up front didn't do it all. They would have people in the audience. <laughs> don't call on me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to pray. Don't call on me. Well, they didn't listen. <laughs> and so they said, well, you pray? Open us with prayer. And it's like, all the time inside, I'm going, yeah, Jesus, help, 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 help. They want me to pray. Oh, my God, Jesus. <laughs> totally freaking out. Totally freaking out. Praying in front of other people. And I would start, dear Heavenly Father. And then a thought would come. And I would say it, 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 and then I would say amen. I very quickly learned, that was not me. <laughs> Here I am speaking in English, praying by the Spirit. It's called prophesying. And yes, we can do it all the time, whenever we want, because he's always on. People started coming to me after the service going, that prayer you prayed, oh my goodness. And I was like, what did I say? <laughs> it's good, good, because I don't remember any of it. <laughs> we can pray by the unction of the Holy Spirit whenever we want. He's always on. You say, Holy Spirit, let's pray. He's right with you. Amen. So, we can pray by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in tongues and in English. Verse 2. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Verse 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. They both work exactly the same way. The Holy Spirit inspires us with his thoughts, and we simply cooperate. It doesn't have to be hard or scary or anything else. You start, and he will jump in. That's how this works. How did Peter get on the water? He had to jump in. <laughs> he had to shift from relying on himself, but he's the one that had to crawl out of the boat. Jesus didn't levitate him. <laughs> He had to get out and operate by faith. Because if you're going to be trying to stand on water, you probably have faith. <laughs> and so it is when we speak by the Spirit. He's always on. You say, Holy Spirit, let's pray. And then you start. And that is how you get your prayer language. Holy Spirit will never make you say a word. You can stand with your little bird mouth open all day long. It's not going to happen. <laughs> But if you step out in faith, I'm praying by the Holy Spirit. I can pray by the Holy Spirit in English. Then I can pray by the Holy Spirit in the tongues. It is a gift. It is a grace, a divine enablement from God to do this because we need it. <laughs> we speak mysteries. Every word is faith. Every word is faith because our logical brain says, this is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> this makes no sense to me. No, it doesn't make any sense to our logical brain. But every time we speak in tongues, every word is practicing stepping out on the water in faith. One of the things that it does is it builds us up on our most holy faith. That's what Jude says in chapter 1, verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, with understanding and without understanding. 1 Corinthians 4.15 says this. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. They both work exactly the same way. One thing that's super important about our prayer language, Romans 8.26. Now, in the same way also, the Spirit is conjointly helping our weaknesses, because we do not fully understand what we should pray for, according as it is necessary. But the Spirit himself make intercession for us with groanings that cannot be expressed by us. And the one who searches the hearts comprehends what the strivings of the Spirit are because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. 
How many times have something bad happened and you say, God, I have no idea what to pray in this situation. Last year, a month before my mom went home to see Jesus, she fell down in her own house. She was in her 80s, she had MS, and she didn't want to live here anymore. (laughs) Okay, Jesus, I don't know what to pray for her. I know with her, it's okay if she goes home, but I don't know if it's okay with my dad. (laughs) God, I'm going to put that in your lap. And by faith, I pray in the Spirit that your will will be released with our words. We release faith and power with our prayer language. We need to use it all the time because it's doing things that we can't understand in our physical brain. God spoke the entire universe into existence. What is he speaking into existence through us and our prayer language? Good things, (laughs) because that's all he has. He's going before us when we're speaking. He's arranging things and orchestrating things and making sure that we're not at that intersection at that particular time. And just like 9-11, all those people who overslept when they never overslept before. God is the great orchestrator who, when we are praying in our prayer language by faith, he is doing stuff that we can't even begin to imagine. And that's the point. If our logical brain doesn't know what we're saying, it can't have any belief about it. (laughs) God knows how to get around our flesh head. (laughs) He says, I'll give you this prayer language, and your flesh head can't mess with it. It can't create unbelief. Because every word you speak is faith. Amen? But even our young people, she's not even in here, (laughs) need this gift. It isn't God coming from heaven. It's God rising up within us. And you may not feel it when you speak in tongues. You just start talking. I listened to a message by Creflo Dollar recently. His first word was la. (laughs) La, la, la. And his brain said, this is the dumbest thing ever, la, la, la. And he said, no, brain. This is faith. If the only syllable I ever use is la, you're going to hear it all the days of my life because I'm going to say it in faith. La, 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 la. He said he did that for like three or four days. And then all of a sudden it was la, la, I'm going to get you. I'm not going to let you steal this from me. Faith only needs one word to begin because we already have it. Me, I struggled. I was in a church that didn't do this. They didn't practice the gifts. They had no, really no understanding of how they operated either. <laughs> so God taught me step by step. My first word, I recognized this yesterday when I was putting this together. Remember I told you, he gave me the word Abba. I didn't know it was a real word. And I said, as soon as I know it's a real word, I'll say it. He showed me it was a real word, so I started saying, Abba, 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 and just comes out, right? God said, you never recognized that the word I gave you wasn't an unknown tongue. He said, it was unknown to you when I gave it to you. But as soon as I gave you the understanding, it was a known tongue. La is a syllable. <laughs> There's not a lot, of, a lot of meaning to the word la. <laughs> and the only reason I had abba, because I, I got two syllables. <laughs> but you speak them in faith, and you refuse to stop. Over the years, the Holy Spirit has often said, don't waste your time with that. I've read many books. I'm a reader. Many ministers will say, that's the stupidest thing ever. doesn't work. doesn't mean anything. Those holy rollers, it's all emotionalism. It's not real. There's no power in it. That's not what the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul said, I want all of you to pray in the Spirit, in tongues, because it is a gift you shouldn't be without. (laughs) That's why the Apostle Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all, because he was in danger all the time. God will move the danger out of the way by our speaking. Trusting him to release those things when we don't know what we're saying. Father God, I thank you that you have already given us all of these graces. We simply just call on Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has the wisdom we need. Holy Spirit has the word of knowledge we need. Holy Spirit has the grace that we need to do whatever you're calling us to do. 
So Father God, we thank you for this impartation, this life of God, this godliness that we have inside of us, Father God. Help us to see ourselves as walking in unison and living in unison with you because we are. Help us, Father God, to renew our mind and let our mind be filled with your word and your truth so that we can easily push away the thoughts of Satan and the thoughts of the fleshhead. Father God, we thank you that you gave us a gift Satan can't even mess with. <laughs> he can't destroy our faith when we're praying in the Spirit because he doesn't even know what we're praying. Father God, I thank you that you are the great orchestrator. But if we want what you are orchestrating, we have to walk in cooperation with you. And this is one of the ways we do that, by faith. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.